Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast presented by First Federal Bank. It's Wednesday, June 8th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Chiefs today with beat writers Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell, and there was plenty to discuss. Let's see, what did we cover? The Tyreek Hill podcast, the retirement of former Chiefs head coach Romeo Cornell, and Chiefs hero for a day, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the slew of Chiefs who were up for the College Football Hall of Fame, Patrick Mahomes' golfing skills, Matt Nagy's coaching return, and more. You'll also hear from Nagy at the end of the show. With so much ground to cover, let's get started. Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell cover the Chiefs. They're here with us now. Guys, how you doing? What it is. Doing good. 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 Good to hear from you. Good talking to you. Haven't talked since about middle of last week. So there are some topics we need to catch up on, but let's Let's be as current as we can. There's some news today. We're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, we've got some times for Chiefs preseason games. We know there's only three of them, right, Herbie? And two of them are at home because this is the year the AFC teams play eight home regular season games, so they get two preseason games. What What do we know about the Chiefs preseason schedule game times? And the good news, well, because it's always, as Vahe would say, it's always about us, right? Absolutely. <laughs> So, hey, we knock out the road game against Chicago first. That's the first one. Um, and that kickoff will be on noon, Saturday, August the 13th. And then the Chiefs are home August the 20th. And then August the 25th, they got a 4 p.m. game against the Washington Commanders at GEH Field at Arrowhead, excuse me, yeah, at Arrowhead Stadium. Um, 4 p.m. kickoff on that one on August the 20th, and then a Thursday night. Ready for this, Blair? Because we know we love primetime games. Yeah, yeah. 8 p.m., <laughs> they'll host the Green Bay Packers, yeah. which, of course, he means Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes will probably get in one series each, and then that'll be the game, and then we'll get to see all the backups. Yeah, if, if that. I can't remember how they handled the third preseason game last year, the Chiefs. Um, I, don't, I can't remember if that was if Mahomes played at all in that game, but yeah, um, Thursday, you know, the last preseason game being the most attractive of the opponents, probably a, a fumble on the part of whoever organized the preseason schedule this year. But I do love I love a noon kickoff in Chicago and a 4 p.m. kickoff in Kansas City for the uh, for the for the preseason home opener. So. All right. So we got that out of the way. The other kind of piece of news that came down today was the retirement of a former Chiefs head coach, Romeo Cornell, a terrific defensive-minded coach over the years and not as great a head coach. Now, I, I don't know what you remember, Herbie, about his time in Kansas City as the head, you know, as a head coach. Uh, obviously didn't go well. Um, you know, he, he was the what the the interim was yeah, the interim head coach to finish the 2011 season. Three games, correct. Yep, and then and then that got him. He beat the he beat the undefeated Green Bay Packers late in the season that year, and that got him the head coaching job in 2012. And that was a disaster. Two and fourteen season. Everything that went could go wrong did go wrong for the Chiefs, and that ended the head coaching at the time. Ended the head coaching career for Romeo Cornell. He later resurfaced in uh, in Houston. But anyway, what do you remember about Ro- Romeo Cornell? I I just I remember the few dealings I had with him, really good guy, um, good with the media, got, just got stuck with some bad teams as a head coach. Yeah, you know, obviously he joined here in 2010 
uh, joined Todd Haley's staff, reunited with Charlie Weiss from their days with the New England Patriots. And of course, then Scott Pioli was the general manager. Uh, Todd Haley was fired uh, 13 games into the 2011 regular season. Romeo Cornell guided the Chiefs. You mentioned that improbable win against the Green Bay Packers because they were undefeated at the time yeah. and everybody had projected them to go ahead and win the Super Bowl that year. But out of nowhere, uh, the Chiefs did win that game at home. It was a defensive game. Uh, they shut down Aaron Rodgers and everyone. And, you know, one thing that stands out to me the most about Romeo Cornell was the way he did handle the media. You know, he was very friendly with us night and day from Todd Haley. You know, you had the gruff Todd Haley would I'm only going to talk about the players who are playing, or I'm only going to talk about the players who are practicing. And Cornell set the tone. I'll never forget that first uh, news conference he had with us. Unprompted mentioned who would not practice because of injuries. <laughs> so we all kind of looking at each other like, oh, this is a this is this is definitely a change from Haley. Um, you know, but one of the things that jumps out to me, the 2012 season is as you know. Dark time in December. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Uh, when when Joe Von Belcher um, murder suicide committed a suicide at the Arrowhead Stadium training facility, and Romeo Cornell, you know he was there. Belcher did that in front of him. Scott Pioli and I can't remember who else was out there with him, but there was like a, a just a handful of people. Let me stop you for a second. I think Gary Gibbs was the other one who was out there, the linebackers coach. Remember yes. he had the old the old yep. Oklahoma head coach, and and uh, but he was. He witnessed some of that himself. Yeah, and to, to Romeo's credit, you know, the fact that he was able to rally the players because they had a game the next day, you know, and, and he held that ship together. He really did. Um, we're, we're talking about the dark times of, of Chiefs history, the Save Our Chiefs movement, the, the banners flying around the stadium. And, you know, he, he was dealt a really bad hand and the way he handled himself there. Uh, really said a lot about Cornell's character. I thought um, I thought he was a good man, and rightfully so. He did take a year off after the 2012 season, um, and then he resurfaced with the Houston Texans. Kudos to him, though, for having you know a, a coaching career that spanned 50 years. You know, the first decade at the college level, and then onto the pros. And he was successful as a defensive-minded coach, a member of five Super Bowl-winning teams two with the Giants, three with the Patriots. It just didn't work out for him for whatever reason here in Kansas City. Well, here's hoping for a happy retirement for Romeo Cornell. And Herbie, you mentioned just a moment ago, Aaron Rodgers, beating Aaron Rodgers at Arrowhead Stadium uh, that year. Um, uh, and so I wanted that got me to thinking about the, the most recent time that we have seen Aaron Rodgers, and that was last week on the golf course in Las Vegas, did uh, did you guys happen to watch the match, Jesse? Did you did you take it in? Do you find that part of your Chiefs beat now to have to watch golf tournaments? And I I took in some of it, Blair, and I was sitting here silently waiting for you to ask me about Charlie Weiss. So uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, we'll move on from that. Uh, but yes, I did take in some of it, and to be completely honest with you, Blair, I had very low expectations, and those were met and exceeded. It was sort of entertaining, you know. Um, it, it was funny. I, I, see, I saw this online, but I, I do think it was sort of accurate. It was kind of a haha funny thing, but it, somebody had posted sort of a grid of good golfer, bad golfer, seems like good dude, seems like bad dude. And uh, Mahomes was the one like, seems like good dude, good dog golfer. Rogers was good golfer, not great dude. Brady was good dude, bad golfer. 
And then Josh Allen was in the other corner. Bad so I thought that kind of, they kind of all played out that way. Uh, honestly, I thought that was a pretty accurate representation of how it came across. And yeah, I mean, Patrick, you know, it, it was, he's an every man's man, you know, he's not golfing that well. He pulls out the Coors light. He's getting a little probably kickback to do that, but uh, I think he is every person, you know, you're not shooting very well. You get to the fourth uh, tee box and you say, it's time to crack one open and see if I drink a beer every hole, how well I'll do. But uh, he was not as technically sound, I think, as some of the other golfers. But, man, he can hit it hard and he makes up for it with, uh, you know, strength and competitiveness and athleticism. And so, yeah, coming down to the last hole, it was entertaining and kept me uh, entertained. And I think so much of this is, as you guys know, guys, there's just so much or not so much going on in the offseason. So for those guys to have their competitive juices flowing, to show a side of them, you know, outside of football, outside of uh, a, a field where there's a helmet on them and you can't really see them, all those sorts of things, the earpieces where they can talk back and forth. I thought it was good. I thought it was something interesting. And again, hopefully uh, it is just an early June thing that there will be more entertaining things as we go along. I'll say this. I'm a little disappointed uh, because you have four multimillionaires in Las Vegas doing golf at the same time as the World Series of Poker going on. And I figured at least one of them would, would go try to go chase a bracelet. But, hey, that didn't happen. Well, I, I was entertained by it. Like you, Jesse, I didn't expect to be. I, I just thought, listen, I'll, I'll watch the first couple holes and, you know, just to stay – just to see what it looked like, right? To see um, how Mahomes hits off the first tee. But – um, between b- between the golfing and then the Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley led commentary throughout the thing, you know, uh, you you have all these egos in in the uh, in the program. I thought I thought it came off about as well as it could have. And uh, congratulations to Mahomes for for playing as well as he did. And I, I knew you know last year he was actually on the cover of Golf Magazine and had gotten to play Augusta National, and he really had become found an interest in golf. So I, I knew he was going to take it seriously, and um, you're right about the Coors Light. I just thought, you know, there, that was a not a plant, but, uh, you know, to actually mention the the, the, the product on the air, you know, that's um, that's some pretty good advertisement for that for that brand. Anyway, a good, good show. I suspect we'll see it next year. Maybe Joe Burrow will be in it. Uh, maybe um, – uh, Matthew Stafford. I was just trying to think of who else could have participated in that, but we got enough Matthew Stafford these days on those um, on those AT and T commercials. So, anyway, also last week, it it the story wasn't a podcast; it was a trailer for a podcast. I mean, in my best Alan Iverson practice, you know, accent here, trailer. We're talking about a trailer for a podcast, and here's Tyreek Hill. Um, you know, being t- teasing his audience with his host about uh, uh, perhaps uh, his his statistics in Kansas City were suppressed, um, and uh, and which made him uh, you know put him on the trade block. And uh, we we find out a few you know over the weekend that um, sort of we found out in in, in my best Paul Harvey. Uh, now you know the rest of the story, but. I know it came up in the in the Andy Reid press conference last week, and Andy Reid was none too pleased about being asked about what Tyreek Hill was teasing on his podcast. Jesse, what were you in there for that? Yeah, I was, and uh, actually, too, I was there for Tyreek Hill. He went to his. Uh, he had a camp in Olathe. This yeah. Yeah. Week. Okay. So you were there as well. I know Sam wrote about it. And- yeah. Yeah. I was there to shoot video and was there alongside Sam. So 
so yeah, this is a fascinating topic and uh, tease the podcast, I think is the right way to put it because they obviously cut themselves off right before getting the full answer. And so it left people wondering, but it also got Tyreek all this attention. Now I think whether this is right or wrong, I would be remiss to not talk about Tyreek Hill's specific situation because he obviously had something happen in Kansas city that was, um, audio that was not the full story that almost took down his NFL career. And so you would think that someone like that might have more sensitivity towards intentionally trying to trick people or uh, not give the full story. Uh, But obviously that's not the route that Tyreek Hill took at that Olathe event. He said he was happy with the response. He was getting people's panties in a wad. He was getting followers. Um, So obviously it had its intended target. And Sam McDowell wrote a great piece about, you know, him talking uh, through those things. So, that, that is kind of a fascinating backstory with this. I do appreciate that Tyreek Hill did, you know, answer the question that he didn't say his stats were suppressed. He did answer Sam McDowell in that manner when Sam asked him about it. So at least he did say that. And that's going to come out on this podcast. Maybe he won't dr- address it directly, but it obviously was kind of a ploy to get people to listen. Um, as far as the uh, Andy Reid thing go. Yeah. Um, and again, it's, it's sort of a part of a bigger picture here um, when it came to Andy Reid thing. And uh, Herbie can probably speak to this a little bit more because, you know, I haven't been around Andy Reid that much or his press conferences. So I probably can't speak to the the larger part of this, but um, you know, Todd Lebo from 810 sports, you know, been around forever, well-respected in the area. The previous week he had asked Andy Reid about LaShawn McCoy's comments about Eric Bieniemy and basically saying, Hey, uh, LaShawn McCoy said, Hey, players don't like Eric Bieniemy. He's too tough on him. That's why he hasn't been head coach. And so he had had asked Andy Reid that question um, the previous week, which was a tough question, but something that people were talking about. And Andy answered it. And I think it probably gathered more headlines. Andy's response did than what Andy wanted. Usually Andy seems to me to kind of be a, a center of the road guy that doesn't really want to, you know, raise eyebrows or, or make people talk. So the next week when Tyreek Hill's comments came out, Todd Lebo asked the question about Tyreek Hill. And I think that Andy kind of emotionally reacted to it and emotionally reacted to the person who had asked him a tough question the week before and, um, you know, went back and, and said what he did about um, him being a shock jock. Now, going back and watching the video of it, Blair, I don't think it's as bad as many people have made it, honestly. Um, I, I think Andy tried to say it in sort of a joking manner. He tried to make it clear that he was kind of put off by the question, but trying to kind of laugh through it sort of thing. I still think he could have handled it much better and probably would at this point in time. And just, it's an easy way for him to address the situation. And I think that's the best way to always handle these situations is just to address the situation. And so um, he could easily said right there, Hey, look, Tyreek Hill was great for the chiefs for five or six years or, you know, whatever it was, uh, I wish him the best. And uh, if the chiefs were suppressing his stats, we sure did a lousy job of doing it because the guy is on a hall of fame track and he did it because he's getting about half of the receiver targets that, you know, the chiefs put out there. So anyway, a fascinating scenario, obviously some backstory to it. Uh, I didn't think Andy handled it probably the way he wanted to, but at the same time, I, I, I've, I've been around a while, Blair. I've seen worse um, chew outs from coaches to reporters. I've been involved with worse chew outs with coaches to reporters. So it seemed out of character for Andy from what everybody's been saying. But I think this is something that people will probably pretty quickly move on from. Yeah, we all have our scars and uh, teeth marks in our body from uh, the times we've been chewed out by uh, by people in, in, in our profession. Not, not in our profession, but uh, uh, just in, in press conference situations or interview situations. Herbie, what, what did you make of it all? Uh, you know, I think, I think Jesse summed it up perfectly. You know, is it out of character for Andy? Absolutely. 
You know, that, that's just not him. Uh, I can probably count on one hand how many times I've seen him uh, show his frustration or disappointment with a with a type of question because those those situations happen few and far between. You know, but you're dead. You're you're absolutely correct. Uh, we've all had our share. You know, I don't forget before uh, I came back here to Kansas City, I was down in where Sam, where's Mellinger? Because he's got to drink. I was down there uh, in New Orleans uh, covering the Saints, and you know, Sean Payton. If if he didn't appreciate a certain type of question. Uh, I'll never forget the first time I got that. You know, that's a stupid question, Hervey. Next question, and it just moves on. But you know that you you, you take that and, and you just you know you, you roll with it because that that's his personality. It's certainly not Andy Reid's personality, so of course it raised some eyebrows. But if a coach like Bill Parcells or Bill Belichick or, or Peyton does that, you, know, you don't you just shrug your shoulders and move on to the next question. I didn't, you know, I didn't. Did I think it was out of line? You know, that's. That's not for me to say, really. You know, that's that's each each reporter we go into a press conference with with a certain line of questioning, and you know, the reaction became the story as opposed to the question. Right. You know, the times that I can remember Andy really getting angry at a inquisitor was, believe it or not, Therese Paler, and this was uh, not during the season, but it, this time of year, and Therese continued to ask Andy about players who weren't showing up at, uh, at minicamp and they didn't have to, right. It was all voluntary at this time. And, but Therese doing his job as a beat writer and a young beat writer at the time would, you know, he, he was the, he felt the obligation to ask the question because he was the, he was the star's chief beat writer. And I remember Andy snapping at him, you know, I don't have to hold these press conferences. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to be here. And, and I thought, well, that's pretty unfair to Therese. He's just doing his job, and Andy should know better. So there's been a little bit of, you know, Andy has it in him to, you know, spew a little venom, uh, a little venom at, at reporters. But this one was, to me, this one was a little bit different just because of the the shock jock, um, uh, you know, little uh, arrow swung at, um, you know, at Todd, uh, you know, obviously a radio uh, employee. So, that one that that made me kind of wince a little. It's one thing to be angry at a question, but don't you know? Don't demean the guy's profession, which is what he did with uh, by by calling him a shock shock jock. So anyway, that uh, uh, that's that. You're right. I, I it's a story that, that just it was big for the day, and then it just sort of blew over. And just bringing it up a week later, I, I feel <laughs> uh, we've already spent too much time on it. Hey, let's let's take a break here and got a couple other topics I want to discuss with you guys. We'll be right back after this. Buying your first home is a huge milestone, but the journey there can be confusing. First Federal Bank of Kansas City is here to make it simple. After nearly a century of serving the KC community, our loan advisors have experience in every type of housing market. With a short phone call, we can give you a free rate quote and talk through loan options. No pressure, no obligation. The road to home ownership can be simple with First Federal Bank. Get started with a free quote at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City, because banking is personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Okay, we're back on Sportsbeat KC with Chief Beat writers Jesse Newell and Kirby T.O.P. Uh, we started with some uh, current events, and here's a, here's another one uh, that uh, that is Chiefs related, but not directly. Uh, the retirement of Ryan Fitzpatrick, one quarterback who um, has been around for a long time, played for a lot of teams, and will forever uh, live in the hearts of Chiefs fans for what he accomplished on the final day of the regular season in 2019. Herbie, you were that was the, um, the the final regular season weekend of your first year on the Chiefs beat for the Star. And I just remember, you know, the Chiefs headed into that that week then 17 game. And uh, we knew they were going to win, and they needed the Dolphins to pull an upset on the New England Patriots um, to get the number two seed and in a home field advantage in, in the playoffs. And 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 Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, improbably leads the Dolphins down to a, a game-winning drive uh, that results in a touchdown and puts the Dolphins ahead. I think it's I think he put it, he put them ahead with thirty seconds to go, and then the Dolphins held on to win and improbably. Um, New England drops to the number three seed and the Chiefs become the number two seed and they end up with home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And I think back at that 20, you know, the 2019 playoff run and all the good things that happened to the Chiefs throughout that run, you're trailing by double digits in all three playoff games and, you know, and finding a way and the highlight real plays like the Patrick Mahomes touchdown run against the Titans right before halftime and his you know, the the Daniel Sorensen snuffing out the fake punt against the Texans, all these good things that happened to the Chiefs. Um, but it probably starts – I don't know if, if it happens if the Chiefs are going the road for the first game of the playoffs. That They wouldn't be on for the first game. as a three seed. They would have been at home. But um, but if the form holds in the playoffs, they would have gone on the road at some point. So that was a nice Fitz magic moment for the Chiefs. It's magic, yeah. And then if you've watched him throughout his career, obviously you didn't start off well. But when he became that grizzled veteran, my goodness, <laughs> some of the games that he would pull off, uh, where's Mellinger? He's got to drink again. <laughs> I just remember when he was the starting quarterback for the Buccaneers, you know, when Jameis Winston was hurt, and he marched into New Orleans and just proceeded to torture that 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 really tough Saints secondary. And that's when, you know, the Fitz Magic uh, myth was born, so to speak. You know, the guy was just, yeah, he came up big and – you mentioned he beat the the Patriots, and Andy Reid appreciated it so much he sent some barbecue to then head coach Brian Flores. Yeah, and listen, that that moment was also commemorated by Kevin Harlan, the the CBS announcer who was calling the Chiefs game, but had on his monitor the the Patriots Dolphins game and was calling that game as well, and uh, made a great call of, of of both of those games. So. Uh, that was uh, congratulations to him in in a, in a, in, a uh, in his retirement. So, um, just a little little thing that came across the wires this week: the uh, the College Football Hall of Fame 
class of 2023, the nominees are out. There are like 80 nominees from the football bowl subdivision. So that's the largest class. What, what we know is, you know, the, the players from teams that are in the SEC, Big 12, et cetera. And uh, like I said, about 80 names on that, probably about anywhere from 12 to 15 will get into the College Hall of Fame class. But what struck me was there are five former Chiefs on this list. And, you know, not just great Chiefs, but really, really great. Obviously, they had to be great college players as well. So um, let me let me ask you, uh, Jesse, since you've covered college football for, for quite a long time, which of these former Chiefs do you think would have the best chance of being in the College Football Hall of Fame? Tony Gonzalez, Eric Berry, Derek Johnson, Jeremy Macklin, Alex Smith. Wow. And so this is based only off college career? Yeah, only off college careers. See, that's that's a tough one, right? I mean, these kind of blur the line, right? I always think of that with the College Basketball Hall of Fame being in Kansas City, where you think of certain guys that get in and you think they had really good pro careers, you know, and like their college was all right, but you sort of remember yeah. the most recent part. And so a lot of those guys, honestly, um, you know, you're remembering the most recent, like Tony Gonzalez, what comes to mind about his college career isn't how good he was on the football field. So he played basketball, you know, <laughs> I, covered, uh, I covered him in the Maui one year at, uh, you know, playing against KU. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's, that's what I've come up with. I mean, obviously Alex Smith was the number one overall pick. So uh, he had a decent college uh, football career uh, to be thought of in that sort of way. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, this reminds me, Blair, it's, it's kind of what, we're all hearing now, like with Allen Fieldhouse and KU and the rafters, um, how, who do you honor? Uh, what, you know, there is no criteria anymore. There used to be criteria in the media guide for this, but like, I have a pretty good suspicion that Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid are going to get their jerseys retired. At some and, point, if you, yep. and if you just look at their one year season statistics at Kansas, they don't really warrant it, especially Joel Embiid. I mean, he played what, like 21 games, something like that before he got hurt and then he was off to the NBA, but the thing about it is, is, you know, you're adding to the prestige of the university. You're saying, hey, look up there in the rafters, Joel Embiid, you're going to be playing the same place he did. He's going to be an NBA Hall of Famer. You know, if this track keeps up, he doesn't get hurt, that sort of thing. So you're probably looking at the same thing with college football saying, hey, uh, we're boasting because we're putting this person in our class. And so that to me, even if I'm only thinking of Tony Gonzalez as a basketball player from his college days, I mean, how would you not put Tony Gonzalez in there and kind of lift up uh, the boats there? So um, again, depends on what they're going for with that, but a plenty of good candidates there. And you're right. The Chiefs have had quite a few of them, but um, Tony, Tony G that's going to be one of the greatest, all, greatest tight ends of all time. I, I think as we look back for many, many decades to come. Yeah, Herbie, we're, we're using college basketball references here. I know that's a little bit foreign to you as a Kansas State fan, but uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest with you, I'm I'm old enough to absolutely appreciate the history of that sport at your alma mater. So uh, a lot of good names here, though, right, Herbie? Tony G, Eric Berry, Derek Johnson, Jeremy Macklin, Alex Smith, um, Jeremy Macklin, uh, in addition to you know his his two years as an All America All Purpose player at Mizzou, you know gave the Chiefs a couple of really nice seasons. Um, you know, he he led the team in receiving is is the first of his two years here and had really nice seasons with the Eagles. I actually think he is going to end up in the College uh, Football Hall of Fame. I think Alex Smith will as well. It might take a little longer. I know Derek Johnson, Eric Berry, and Tony G have been on the ballot for a few years, but. Uh, um, all these guys will, well, maybe not all of them. Um, I'm thinking Chiefs Hall of Fame. It's certainly Jeremy Macklin wouldn't be in the Chiefs. 
Alex Smith would be an interesting choice for the Chiefs. You think Alex Smith will get in eventually, Herbie? You know, if not for Alex Smith, where's Patrick Mahomes today? That that, that is the, that's an honest question that that you have to ask yourself because if not for his mentorship, that one year, you know, if, if you throw Patrick Mahomes into the fire uh, without Alex Smith, where are the Chiefs today? And, and you know, you hear Mahomes all the time, and even Andy Reid giving full credit to Smith. You know, if you're going back to the college time, Smith was a beast at Utah. You know, he was an absolute beast, and then. Derek Johnson, you know, we, we tend to forget, you know, in 2004, his senior year, Dick Buckus Award, the, the Nagurski Trophy, uh, yeah. Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. So he was a stud in college. Uh, you know, the unfortunate thing is we always tend to look at offense, but I, you know, I think DJ deserves to be in the, in the College Football Hall of Fame. I covered the, uh, the Texas OU game in the Cotton Bowl that year, and Texas won that game 12-0. That's how good a defense. So he was Derek Johnson was phenomenal in that game, just phenomenal. So a lot of good ones here uh, for sure. Hey, um, so media availability last week was uh, assistant coaches. This week is, it goes back to players and Andy Reid, and of course we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about that later. But I wanted to just uh, bring up one of the assistant coaches who spoke last week, and that's Matt Nagy, former Chiefs uh, offensive coordinator, became the Bears head coach for four years, and now he is back. Um, in the quarterback's room for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting that uh, he took the opening question. I think Adam Teicher asked it, and he went for about four minutes. It was, you know, I don't know if this was a guy pretty excited to be back, and but he had some fun observations just about being in the, you know, in the quarterback room and, and in you know, is in the unique position of having seen Patrick Mahomes in his first year in the Chiefs uniform because he was the offensive coordinator in 2017, then not being here for four years and now seeing Patrick Mahomes after all that he's accomplished in his career and had some pretty kind of interesting observations, I thought, about what he has seen. So after we finish talking about this, we're actually going to play some of Matt Nagy from, from the press conference last week. But what did you make of uh, of Nagy's comments and how is he going to um, – uh, how is he going to work with Eric Bieniemy and and um, you know guy who worked for him back in the uh, back in the first time around? Herbie, what do you think? And, and, you know, you you hit the nail on the head there because this is going to be an, an interesting dynamic going from offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, then the running backs coach, and now he comes back, and now you have Eric the EB in charge of all the offense. But to their credit, you know, they were both asked about it. Andy Reid was asked about it. And, you know, and their past relationship says a lot. You know, they, they got along well in the past, and they're going to get along now. Uh, but I, I thought with Nagy coming back here, you know, I, I found it interesting that you mentioned the time off from when he saw Mahomes that's in 2017. You know, you got to remember the last four years, he's had Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> and, and Trubisky will always be the answer to the trivia question. Who did the Bears take when they passed on Patrick Mahomes? And, you know, unfortunately for Matt Nagy, it didn't work out with Trubisky up in Chicago, but now he's back here and he's getting to see a pretty darn special football player, Patrick Mahomes, who a lot of people say is the Michael Jordan of the league. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Jesse? Well, um, you know, I just talked about Patrick Mahomes being an, Every man's man, you know, the guys drinking Coors Light on the uh, on the golf course. But I, I think what Herbie said is important. And especially in today's game where we talk about 
Patrick Mahomes being the Michael Jordan of the league. I mean, maybe more an app comparison right now would be like the LeBron James of uh, the NFL. And we've seen this with mega superstars, especially in the NBA, which is that you cater to them um, because they are so important to the franchise. I mean, think about what Patrick Mahomes means to Kansas City right now. I mean, he's, he's got a stake in everything. He's bringing Whataburgers to Lawrence. I mean, the guy can do whatever he wants. Uh, you know, he, he, so I think what the biggest thing to me coming out of this, and again, we'll see the dynamic of how it works out, but from all indications and all the things we can sort of gather out there, Matt Nagy coming back was very, um, very much well-received by Patrick Mahomes. And so I don't think you can overstate that. Um, again, if you're in the NBA, if you're LeBron James, I mean, LeBron James, I test, talk about this all the time, but LeBron James gets to help pick the other free agents. LeBron James gets to help pick the coach. If LeBron James doesn't like the GM, the GM's got to go because you have LeBron James. You know what I mean? And Patrick Mahomes hasn't gotten to that level yet, but I do think that, um, you know, you want to make things conducive to your superstar mega athlete who is, means everything to this city and who championship hopes for the Chiefs is going to be on his shoulders for the next 10 years. So, again, from early indications, uh, it seems like those two really enjoyed working together. And from Matt Nagy's first comments last week, it sure seems like he has a heck of a lot of respect for Patrick Mahomes. They have a good communication and he sees a higher ceiling for him, which I thought was a notable comment that he made as well that you guys are going to hear here in a second. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think if that is going to help out that aspect of that, and if Patrick Mahomes feels comfortable working with Matt Nagy and having him in the building and having that communication there, then I think that's really important for the Chiefs because when you get somebody like like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Michael Jordan, like a LeBron James, you do everything in your power to make sure that this is a conducive environment for them to succeed. Okay, we've mentioned Mahomes, Nagy, Alex Smith, uh, Eric Bieniemy. I think we're just a Mike Kafka away from recreating the 2017 quarterbacks room for the Kansas City Chiefs. So um, great discussion, you guys. Really enjoyed it. Jesse Newell and, and Herbie Teope. Uh, we're going to be um, – actually, I don't think we're going to take a break. We're just going to r- roll right into Matt Nagy's comments at his press availability last week. Thanks, guys. Yeah, for sure. It's been a, a really cool experience for me. Um, you know, when you, you go away and you are able to kind of build your own culture from what you learned being here before um, my time here with Coach Reed and all of our, our great coaches here, to be able to go through what we did. And, you know, you have highs and lows and you learn and you have so many different hats that you put on in, those, in that time. And you learn a lot and you rely on the experiences that you went through. Um, and they're real life experiences. So I didn't have that when I went into my interview with Chicago. Uh, but I had four years worth of real life experiences of a lot of different situations, offense, defense, special teams, how to deal with players, how to deal with media, how to deal with um, win, winning, you know, these conversations right here after a win or a loss. And what it does is it, it, it really allows you to grow, but it puts things in, into perspective. And I think in life, for me, um, a lot of my failures that I've had, I've tried to use to the best of my ability to make me better, um, whether it was as a player, throwing a pick, learning from it, or as a, as a coach, as you go through things, you want to use those experiences to make you better in the long run. And I feel like I'm still young in this profession, and I want to use my experiences in Chicago to help me be better here for our team here in Kansas City with Coach Reed, with EB, with Patrick, with, with Brett Veach, with everybody here. And... There's a little bit of humility that you have to have to do this, but I, I, I really cherish it because you're doing it with good people 
Um, you're, we talk about being back in, I say, you know, we're, we're back in the weeds. You know, I'm back instead of 250 people you're responsible for, you're responsible for three or four. So, um, you know, my son the other day was saying, Dad, it's pretty crazy. You got, you got a little bit more free time, and, and uh, that's real. But I'm embracing that, and it's been fun. It's been, you know, to be back in that quarterback room with, with Pat and learning who Chad. I remember Chad. I was watching Chad since he was a sophomore in high school. I actually coached against him when he was a sophomore in high school. And he, he put up, like th- as a sophomore, like 304 touchdowns. And I always remember, man, this kid's special. And now here we are, however many years later, and, and I'm coaching him here at this level. Um, and then to be in there with Shane and with Dustin, um, to be back with, with Coach Reed, to be back with Eric Bieniemy, the rest of the coaches on this offensive staff, it's awesome. And they're just good people that do things the right way. And it's, it's exciting for me. It's fun. Um, and it's, it's, it's refreshing. So I, I want to use this to be able to give back any way I can. But also, too, I think it's important. You know, Pat and I, uh, I had him as a rookie. I was able to see him and Alex grow together, that partnership, um, and see him grow from his rookie year, uh, from game one to, the, to the, the playoff loss against Tennessee, see that relationship build. And that stuck with Patrick. That stuck with me. And now to come back, you know, four or five years later and see in that room how much Patrick has grown, it's amazing. Um, it gives me chills to talk about it because I also know his ceiling is even higher, and that's exciting for all of us. But for me now, you know, as, as Coach and I talk, you know, I just want to be able to do everything I can to help us and, and do whatever we can to, to be great. And, and they're, you know, in our quarterback room, for instance, you know, Patrick and Chad and the rest of the guys will help me be better as a coach, and I'll hopefully help them be better as players. Put it all together, and we roll. Yeah, I, I thought about it. I think, uh, you know, when you go through what I went through for those four years, and there's a lot of good experiences in there, but at the same point in time, there's a lot of things that that can, you know, make you think, okay, you have, you, you're able to maybe sit out a year and, and sit back, reflect, refresh. But in the end, um, after I was fired, I, I had some time to, to get away and to do that. And I think it got to, to a point where, um, it just made sense to get football's in my heart, it's in my blood, and it's in my wife's heart and my wife's blood too, you know, and my kids, they, they love it. And so um, why not come back to a great place, a special place, and, and get it going again? Yeah. I did, yeah. Doug came to, uh, to our camp last year, our training camp. He came and spent a few days, and we had some good talks about a lot of things, what, what we would do the same as a head coach, what we'd do differently. And um, I think every coach has their reason why they want to sit out or get away or, or get back into it. And for me, this is what was best for, for, for me, my family, for all. And it's just, I feel like it's a good fit. Talk about, talk about the Sure. So to your first question, um, there was some similarities to what what happened with Patrick and Alex when we did that. But that's not the you know, we were we knew it was going to be a little bit different because of the situation we were in with Andy and Nick uh, last year versus Alex when we were here, you know, five uh, five years ago, and and so some of that was the same, but a little different. I think to each their own, and um, you know, again, I, you learn through that process. And those guys, I thought handled it. Those quarterbacks handled it really well, and, and it, it was, um, you know, it was to their credit that they handled it well. For EB, 
again, I just have so much respect for him as a, as a person, number one, and as a coach. To coach five years with him um, as a quarterback coach and then as a co-offense coordinator and then a coordinator, the relationship that we built, um, you know, he's just he's, – he's very, very passionate at being a teacher and a leader. And he has his own ways of how he does it, and I, I think it's special, you know. And so we built a bond. And I think the beauty between the relationship that we've had is that, you know, neither one of us have that ego where you feel like you know more than the other. And I, that, that's like I, I come back here in, in my role that I just came from and just to be able to, to see all the great things that have happened here since I've been gone, it's, it's been neat to learn more. And with EB, to see him now in this role and how he does things, it's cool, you know, and, and we just work with one another. We're together and um, I'm just, I'm really excited to work with him for the rest of this year. Yeah, it was it was neat to see him do that right away. We were just talking about were you surprised? No, wasn't surprised that he did it. Um, he's a, he's just such a special player. I mean, he's rare. He's rare. And but then when Kansas City came to Chicago, and you got to look across the sideline and see that dude over there. It's like okay, um, you know, maybe just score like 24 instead of like 42. But um, he's just he's I, I just I'm. I'm I'm so excited to be in that room with him and just to see the personality that he has. He has a great balance of how to be a great quarterback, but yet be a great leader. Um, uh, really, he's still coachable. You know, you think a guy like this, like you, you've done everything. You've won a Super Bowl. You've been to four straight AFC championships. Are you, yeah, he's, he's so coachable, and he wants that. There's a hunger there, and to me, that's what's, what, that's what's exciting for me. That'll do it for today. Thanks to the Sportsbeat KC production staff of Randy Mason, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell for sharing their insights. And a shout out to our sponsor, First Federal Bank. Their website is ffbkc.com. Morning Sports Edition, you know I love it. Think of a 30-page sports section crammed full of stories, box scores, everything you want from your sports pages. That's the Morning Sports Edition. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC.